Welcome to In Search of the New Compassionate Male. My name is Clay Boykin. I support this podcast through my coaching practice. I help people visualize and harmonize, find direction and meaning, or simply get unstuck. Contact me at clayboykin.com for a free consultation. Now here's the latest episode of In Search of the New Compassionate Male. Hello world, it's me, Dennis, and we are in search of the new compassionate male. I'm the co-host of this podcast today, and I'm here with the founder, Clay Boykin. Hey, Clay. Hi, Dennis. I am so pleased to have our friend Julian Oman back. Can you believe it was 30 episodes ago, and it mm-hmm. was January 2021? how time passes and i am so so glad to see you back julian welcome thanks for having me wonderful to be back with you guys well so tell us give us an update on your life and times and perspective the growth of you and your soul because that's one thing that so inspired me about getting a chance to meet you was that you are a soul in process you are working in yourself in order to grow, to grow your healing, your wholeness, your compassion. And, and so I want to know how this last year has, mm-hmm. has impacted you and that you have uh, experienced it. Mm. Um, I think uh, a lot has to do with the body. Uh, I've been uh, connecting a lot with the body. So for example, my day today, if I start just with today, this morning, uh, it's uh, after uh, saying goodbye to my daughter, uh, going to school. I biked off to um, to a place where I went into the water. So outside, it's it's now up to eight degrees. The water, I think, uh, Celsius. I mean, uh, but I've and been where swimming is this for our audience, Julian? In in Amsterdam. Uh, so it's it's in it's in Amsterdam. Sometimes in the canals. Sometimes outdoorsy somewhere. When just walking through the mud and then getting to the water and going in. And I've been doing that the whole winter. So we started in September, but then the whole winter through, like it went down to four degrees, three degrees Celsius Ooh. at a certain moment. Um, and I've been doing that a couple of times a week. Uh, it gets pretty cold, of course. And it's been so wonderful for the body, for the mind. Um, and just before coming here into the session, I was at a neighbor and we were discussing free diving, which is a next thing I want to do, you know, to learn how to be with uh, the breath. I have some fear there, you know, some, some, some fear of being without breath so long. And I want to, to see if I can come past that. But, but just this, the, yeah, the cold that I was uh, talking about, to be with the cold and become intimate with the cold and just embrace it, that has been um, a big part of my, uh, of my journey in the past couple of months. I've been enjoying it so much. It's so beneficial. There's blood flow to corners of the brain where it usually doesn't go. <laughs> and I still like right now sitting here, it's evening here, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's 10 o'clock now. And I was swimming at 8 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning. I still feel, I don't feel the cold anymore, but I still feel this rush this gentle rush through my body of just having really woken up, you know? So that's, yeah, there's been a lot of that, a lot of water, a lot of cold. 
How well, has that impacted your creativity and your and and your process? What what are you learning and learning about yourself? And I apologize, I cut you off. You asked exactly the question I was going to ask. So, <laughs> well, um, yeah, and in one way specifically, um, when I go to the water in the morning and it's cold and I'm on my bike and there's a cold wind um, rushing past me and then you get to the water and in that cold wind you start to undress and mind you this is without a wetsuit etc it's just with bathing suits on and so you're in the in the cold wind and then you still have to go into the water which is even much colder mm -hmm. and you get used to that so first that's a bit difficult but you get used to that and you just go into the water and then comes my favorite moments a bit later on after some time in the water either just breathing or going for a swim when you get out of the water that's the moment where you get back onto the grass and the grass can feel really like painful and cold and can really bite your feet but the wind uh, suddenly is like lukewarm sometimes even warm on the skin that same mm. wind that was cold before because you come out of the water. It's a differential. And so you you reconnect with your surroundings. First, you are with your winter coat, with your scarf and everything on your back, like a oh, cold, cold. And now you're standing there with your dripping, like with your wet body in that wind. And it's like this pleasant, lukewarm wind. So that's, it's such a mind hack. It's such a reset. And that helps a lot with... Yeah, as you may imagine, in all other processes of, of yeah, whenever you're stuck in thinking patterns or conditionings or whatever, it's just this beautiful reset. Yeah, I love it. That's my favorite moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, that I'm sure has had an impact on your uh, on your writing, on your music, and you, you've been doing quite a bit of work this past year, haven't you? As for music, um, I have uh, yeah, I have something special coming up this year. I have a, a collaboration this year with my mother, um, and I'm about to release later this year um, an album with songs in the French language only. My mother's French, my father is Dutch, and uh, even though I was not raised in the French language because we lived in Indonesia when I was a kid, um, I did grow up in the end to, to learn the French language. Um, but I wouldn't that easily write poetry or uh, yeah, or lyrics for songs in, in French just like that. But I wanted to sing in the French language. There's a lot of French uh, or French language artists that, um, that I love that have been in my life always. There's also new ones like Stromae, who I am a bit big fan of. Belgian artist um, and I wanted to sing more in the French language so I asked my mother what kind of lyrics or words or poems do you, do you have lying around because I know that she she's she's always been writing so she came first with lyrics and poems from when she was 18 19 20 years old I read them I looked into these themes that she was writing about there was a poem or a song about her father about an ex, uh, about solitude, about the fool in the village that she was living in, uh, about many different topics. 
And before I uh, put them to song, I asked her to revisit the lyrics, to revisit these themes and write a second part to those lyrics. So then uh, I, I, I kept the first part, so we kept it there, but she wrote a second part 55 years later mm. with a new perspective on those themes. So how did she relate to the, to the theme of solitude then and now? The relationship with her father how has it evolved in 55 years uh, so the album like is like the, the time span is like more than half a century and it's intergenerational in the sense that there are there are like six generations that i sing about there's uh her father my grandfather but also a song about his grandfather my children so so it's <laughs> and with my mother so um I also still hope because I'm, I'm I've, the process of the songs has already been. I've written all the songs. I'm, I've recorded most of them already. But what I would still like to do is to also further connect with her by, for example, doing what we are doing now to maybe record a podcast with her where we, yeah, uh, go a bit more into the into the stories and the meanings like the meaning behind these different songs i would love that also to reconnect with her because we don't see that much of each other and uh, i would like to hear more from her yeah about it yeah. wow that's incredible that that would be so wonderful um it, it, 55 years and six generations is there I mean, there's so much, but is, is there one overarching theme or is there one thing that really stands out in all of that work? It's hard for me to, to, to answer that question without having my grandfather right in front of me. Mm -hmm. So all my attention immediately goes to her. So the, the father of my mother, my French grandfather, because he is so dear to me and there's there is uh, two songs about him uh, on the album so it's not an overarching theme but when you ask that question my all my attention just like a blood flow goes to him <laughs> and um um yeah one song is the song where 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 it's about my mother's relationship to him back then and in and later on and there's a song that i wrote together with my mother um, about his youth uh, and I was just in time to sing it to him right before he died so on his deathbed what happened a couple of years ago like most old people at a certain moment they fall you know they and uh, they break something and then a bit later on he also had a, a bleeding and um, and then it went a bit faster and um, I had connected with my mother because I wanted to have a song, to write a song about his youth uh, in coastal France, where he would spend his summers with his, uh, with his grandfather. Because by that time, he was basically an orphan in the sense that his father, uh, my great-grandfather, had died because of injury of the First World War, um, uh, which he had survived, but because he was deaf, he didn't see a car coming and he got run over by a car um, and his mother was not really in his life she was alive but he, she wasn't there uh, so he spent the year in a in a boarding school and then in the summer he would be with his grandfather 
So my great, great, great something grandfather. And that man was like such a big presence in his life. It was like his mother, his father, his everything. And he was afraid of him and he adored him. It was both things. Like that man could like move his world, you know, just with raising one finger. And But he was an amazing person that had a beautiful and big influence on him. And in that song, I sing about uh, the moments where my grandfather, who was always running around barefoot uh, there, he would climb the trees and go as far on the branches until the moments where he would feel the combination of fear and joy, ecstasy. And that was when he was at his most happiest. And uh, I was just in time to, to sing him that song on, on his deathbed. Um, and the, the song is called uh, Enfant Sauvage, the wild child. And um, he heard it. He heard it and um, uh, I sang it again and uh, I told him, uh, I love you after the song. And then he was, he just had enough. He, I mean, he had like the speech impediment because the one whole side was gone. Um, but he, he had enough to say, uh, like me too. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. What a wonderful way. I, I've, so, I've talked with a number of, of hospice angels who sing with the dying and have that part of the, so the, the, the transition of music and the, 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 the relationship of music to the transition from life to afterlife is such a, such mm -hmm. a holy opportunity to be able to be there at that time. Yeah. 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 Music is a, is a great thing also for those who, who, who are left behind uh, exactly, a while ago. Exactly, the healing. Yeah, like a, a couple of months ago, my, uh, my neighbor died, and an old woman lives next door. And we, we weren't even that close. But when I heard that the next morning she would, um, um, uh, she, yeah, she, she was, she was going to die, um, I was just touched by these things like happening on the other side of my wall. And, and she was a really sweet woman. So I mm. had inspiration. I wrote a song and then her kids asked me to, uh, to play it at their, uh, at her uh, funeral. And that, so that was not necessarily for her, but for, the, for the ones who stayed of behind. Course. And they, yeah. It can help a lot with the process. Could, could, I, I want to go back to, to this, this exploration that you have of your family and the consciousness that exploring the consciousness that your great great grandfather could you know we can only we can only know what we know by the light we can see by and so they're 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 both in time and in the consciousness the race mind consciousness of the world at that time and then your grandfather what he had as far then then going to your to, to your through your mother and here I'm can can you see that evolution are you beginning to see some through lines that are there that you're exploring um yeah I think that's a generational process that that will be visible discernible for for, for a lot of people it's it's the the emotionally opening up 
that's 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 um like my my yeah it's 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 that you know my my grandfather is this amazing person that i adore that i love like at the end of his life it was almost like falling in love with him you know i was i just oh. had such a tenderness such a tenderness for him and we would sit like knee by knee in the kitchen and he would give me you know a speech and hand me over like this medal from the second world war you know but in not not necessarily about the war but just that in in this speech like explaining how at a certain age you just become so receptive to what kindness is and this he was saying to me like he was appreciating yeah. my kindness and my attention so much so he was really opening up and this was something that my mother not, did not necessarily always uh, receive from him you know that openness so in that exactly. song which is about her relationship with him uh, in the first part of the song it's actually about her being a little bit yeah, sometimes a little bit afraid or uncomfortable, not knowing what to do around him. And mind you, this man, my grandfather, was in the Second World War and he yes. like barely survived it in like all impossible ways. He should have died like so many times um, in so many instances. He was so like lucky, angel on his shoulder. And um, so, of course, that did that, that I mean, it does mess with you i mean everything you've been through as a, as a man in such at such a young age you know as he was so of course there were things that he could convey and other things that were just like you know he was just also like surviving and trying to make a living after the war like to find a job and he was absent a lot of the times looking for a job and yep. and just making his way through through life and then yeah, and I and I and I think that, for example, my mother was of the generation that still had has not really learned from her parents, both her father and mother, how to be emotionally open and how to really yeah. connect. You know, she, so she is like the generation that started to really have that desire and and to strive for that. That definitely started in that generation of my mother, uh, and also often. Uh, managing but 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 not necessarily that much uh with uh with with us as children not not that much you know as, as i'm striving for in my uh parenthood so, yeah it's that there's and that's where the passing it along the the steps mm -hmm. as each one each one can 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 pass along farther correct you know i'm i'm just struck because as you're talking about her in her early life in the opening you when you started out the conversation this this incredibly intimate connection to write music with your mother it's it's it almost leaves me speechless I, I think back about my relationship with my mother and um to have had that and there was a lot of love in our family she's italian sicilian and uh a lot of love in our family, but to take it into that step to to intermingle that time is just uh, just wonderful. I can relate to you and your yeah. grandfather in the sense that uh, my dad was young and he was in World War II, and he served across France and on, and uh, so that's very touching to me as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And and one of one of my favorite, you know, I was born in Mexico and, and I spoke Spanish before and my family's French, but that's the that's because there were many people, there were many French that went went entrepreneurs in the eighteen in the late eighteen hundreds to, to Mexico to mm-hmm. to rebuild. But we have one of our we have one of our uh, American artists. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Her name is Linda Ronstadt. But she yeah. she 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 did an album called Canciones de Mis Padres, Songs of My Songs Fathers, of my yeah. and it sounds like that you're do you you're having some image of this in 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 this album. Yeah. I'm very excited to be able to hear about it. And so, what are you learning about yourself during this during this process? Talk about some of the things that you're learning because. Because you're getting a chance to do what your mother couldn't do, which is really to open up, to have this emotional space for your daughter to to model. You're modeling for her how she can be. And yeah. this is passing along. Yeah, well, yeah, when, when you, when I hear this, hear your words, I realize that, I sh- that two things, that one is that, uh, I've been super lucky and fortunate with my parents and that they um, they haven't just done their best, but they have in, in a lot of times actually been able to to open up emotionally. They have been and especially my father in the past few years, we made some changes in our in our relationship and uh, softening up. And I hope to to also uh, make some steps still with my mother because I I, I realized that it sounds like we're already right there you know uh, collaborating in in an intimate process, but the reason that I still want to do the podcast with her is that for me it it, it actually still feels a little bit still like two separate tracks that we're on. She wrote the lyrics you know uh, then and now. And then I went on with my uh, yeah artistic part. I, I made the songs, and there are moments when I when I check in with her about uh, directions I'm taking artistically, or uh, things in the lyrics that I want to change, or take out, or add. Um, so there's that, and and that's very dear and beautiful to me. But I still uh, want to. For example, perhaps record that podcast with her mm-hmm. because you know, like making songs, making art that can also be something that's just like really me, you know, like making songs, making art. You know, that's <laughs> I also want to be free to do my own thing. And in a podcast, like I'm sitting here with you now in conversation, you know, that I still want to do that with her to really revisit these lyrics memories stories anything that she would still want to share and the second thing i wanted to say when i listen to your words is that as a parent i'm messing it up in my own unique way you know (laughs) so and even when i when i so there is there is this development from generation to generation there are certain things and a lot of them are for the better definitely but I'm also just messing it up, you know, in my own modern way. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all tromping through the uh, through the fields. This yeah. this this emotional journey. Do you 
Will you be having this conversation on this podcast with her in French, English, or Dutch, or what? Yeah, that question. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. So, first, I thought it would be in Dutch because that's actually the language that 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 we are that she and I are most familiar with mm -hmm. between ourselves, between between us. And also because the French songs, for those who understand French, they can follow the lyrics, right? Yes. And get the meaning and the feel of the song, which you could even feel if you don't understand the language. That's that's what music does. So for me, then the podcast would be maybe, uh, you know, a rough guide to these French songs for the Dutchies, for example, to do it in Dutch. But then, of course, you want to also have those background stories available to the French speakers or other speakers. So then I was thinking that, yeah, maybe we should actually do it in English because um, that in a way that would also be, be funny because my mother did not, she was not the one to teach me her mother tongue, you know, like uh, French because by, at that time we, we were living in Indonesia and so I was already speaking Indonesian, a little bit of English, a little bit of Dutch. And she thought that it would all just be too much. And she had already lived outside of France in like five, six, seven countries. So she was not that attached to that anymore. So to end up just going for like some neutral sort of language, you know, in English to <laughs> tell these stories of this French album with us usually normally speaking Dutch in a weird way it would make sense it would have some neutral and it would be super accessible yeah well to whatever degree we can support you in this we yeah. would love to. I, I would love to be able to be part of this and do you do you are there are there things that you can express and ways of expressing most definitely most definitely yes um, languages are a big part of my life uh, yeah so i obviously i obvi obviously speak uh french and uh i speak spanish as good as i speak french maybe even better because i speak it more often and i'm currently learning uh, arabic <laughs> for the for the fun of it to learn something new and open up the mind and now that i'm learning arabic again you know there's this discovery of how people think in a certain language yes. or how they wrap the language around certain concepts which then influences or programs the mind you know and how we see each other oh. etc and so just to give a little example because i'm excited about that in Please. in arabic when you ask someone uh, how are you doing you could e either say kifek which is kif uh, like how you very simple or in Syria, for example, they will say shlonak, and shlonak is shulonak, which is what is your color. So you ask each other, what's your color, which is beautiful. And then I, I told this to my Syrian colleague, the guy I give trainings with. He's from Syria. He's from there. He uses that word all the time. So I told him, wow, that's amazing. You say shlonak, what's your color? And see, that's so cool. And he was like, Ah, huh? 
yeah that's right you know he was not he wasn't even aware of it you know like oh, so there's God, how language is being shaped and there's also the way we use it and the way we either are or are not aware of what we're actually saying you know language is just it's so uh, fascinating i've been i've been really doing a, a lot of thinking lately uh and a lot of uh meditating about uh, the difference between who I truly am and who I think I am, hmm. which yeah. the two separate pieces of that. And so that that who I think I am is is my, my ego is my ego, my personality, this, this, I hmm. but what's beneath that? Hmm. What is the and they've been doing a lot of studies in in using uh, psychedelics, in the United States and, and studies to help people, especially people who are going through the process of dying, to be able to separate that through, to give them peace, that who that this this who I think I am is not is not the real me. There's mm -hmm. something deeper than that 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 abides in that. And then when I hear your music, when I hear your music, I I, I feel that so deeply. I feel that that deep sense of of you going into the who you are rather than merely the personality of mm. uh, Julian that is there that that's mm. the strength of the, and the movement of your uh, of your work thank you thank you for that um, and last week I was in a session of some sorts and um, I had a moment where I realized that like most people I'm a, I'm a little bit um, addicted to uh, like my phone right and, and, and social media and stuff like that uh, I mean I, I check it a lot of the time yep. and I know the feeling that I get from that and in that session last week I realized that even more uh, than I am addicted to my phone and social media I am addicted to my personality <laughs> <laughs> like the way I I check in and touch base all the time with my personality, you know, and, and find uh, like a direction or, or maybe some sort of uh, seeming safety, you know, which is actually not really safety, but just, you know, this, this personality that I keep going back to or even nurturing or making important, etc. And it was interesting to feel that, uh, not to put personality necessarily in such a negative, uh, you know, uh, view but still it was interesting to feel that same like nagging you know addiction feeling with that <laughs> personality exactly you know? <laughs> as to where where that is to be able to suffer how, how i uh i want to ask you something because i haven't gotten the chance to interview president obama uh, yet, uh, but he had the same experience you did of having his formative years in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So, can can you talk a little bit about the Indonesian experience and how that, uh, how your your early years and this in this uh, predominantly Muslim uh, Muslim country and 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 this you know many islands many uh, just just a really really interesting culture that that is so beyond what we normally experience. Mm. Uh, well, my my most wonderful memory from childhood was the pouring rains. So the rain would just come pouring down these tropical rainstorms. And so the water would come up, uh, you know, houses would be a bit higher because otherwise the water would just flood into the living room. So I would be outside playing with boats, etc. That's That's a very vivid memory. 
and um, growing up there, yeah, there was animals and fruits and you know, everything all over the place. And um, so, so I have a lot of fond memories. My sister was a little bit older than I was. So when we moved back to Holland for her, that was traumatic. Like she had, like she took years to get over that, uh, to get over leaving uh, Indonesia. It was easier on me. I, well, seemingly anyway, like I went outside, played football and seemed to be okay. And, uh, and I think I was. Um, so for me, it was till I was seven years old that I lived there. And so what I remember was, yeah, just the, the lushness. It's just lush. And it's funny that you mention Obama <laughs> because there's a link between uh, Obama and my mother, uh, like, who has been quite a part of this session now, up until now. Yes. Because what happened is that um, there's quite a direct link between them. Um, when my parents went to Indonesia with us, it was because of my father's work. Um, and my mother had just given birth to me. And Indonesia, when they got there, it was the first country after having lived in like six countries in 12 years. It was the first country where my mother could not really take root. She, she couldn't really get used to it. Uh, she, maybe she had a bit of a uh, yeah, first like culture clash thing. Um, and uh, but mainly also she was still getting to terms with having two children and a second young baby. <laughs> right. So all those things. So classic stuff. And and um, then she got connected. Here we go <laughs> to Anne Sotoro. And Anne Sotoro is the mother of Barack Obama. Anne Sotoro first was married to the father of Barack Obama, obviously from Kenya. And when they separated, uh, Anne later remarried to Mr. Sotoro in, Indone in Indonesia. So then she, her, her name was Anne Sotoro. And she actually was kind of a mentor uh, to my mother, um, connecting her to, to her first job in Indonesia, which was a job she, she loved. Oh, how wonderful. Did you... In in this process of creating, where are you in in the in the generation from from uh, the original page to the release of the album? Where are you in that arc of creating this to, to where you will be for this new album with the French uh, songs? I'm on um, I'm on I think like seventy percent of recording. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have all the songs ready. It's like 11 songs. And my, uh, my father-in-law, uh, he knew about this project. And then uh, he, he, he also uh, suggested a song. He, he's a, um, a conductor, uh, quite a famous cello player, actually, uh, in an orchestra he was. And, um, and he composed uh, a song. Uh, with with French lyrics, uh, existing French lyrics. I forgot the name of the poet and the poet, but so there may be an extra extra song. But um, <laughs> he, he wants to get on the album, no, but I would be happy to to have his have his uh, song there. Uh, uh, to be honest, it would be lovely. Um, so yeah, I think I'm on seventy percent of that, and then like like for me, 
uh, last time we spoke, I also we also spoke about my about my work, right? Like the other things I do. Uh, so music, in a way, is like a side thing that I take uh, like uh, seriously, as in like connected to my heart that I'm passionate mm-hmm. about it. In that way, I mean seriously, and that's when I released something like my last album, I tried to do it high end. It was mixed by a fabulous mixer and mastered by, but all these things, they're, they're costly, of course. It's of course. things you, you invest in. So I'm also with this new French album. I'm also, uh, as for your question, I'm also still looking like how to go about those things, you know, whether I could get some funding for, for those parts of the mixing of the mastering, etc. So I'm, I'm almost finished with the recording and as yeah and as for the financing and making everything doable again I'm also in that process still. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully I yeah I would I would like to release it before the summer. Maybe September is more realistic, I don't know yet. That's wonderful. I I, I wanted to ask when we spoke last both sides of the river mm-hmm. was pretty much the centerpiece you know our conversations around and you have two other recent albums that came out and at about that same time uh what is it is it anchor and heart warriors are those two albums or do i have that right oh those those are uh actually singles on spotify you release either an album or singles and those tracks you're mentioning are songs on the album okay on both sides of the river yeah okay yeah yeah so how 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 do you feel when you look back on an album and you look back on i know we we look back on our interviews and we look back on the different performances we and you feel differently about them from when you created them from when yeah. you look back on how how are you looking back on yeah. on both sides of the river and I'm, I'm i'm laughing because because the thing is that particularly with the source of the source where my music comes from which is like this either like personal development or spiritual growth or whatever you go through certain stages right of course and i'm happy to say that on that album and also the two eps that i released before that in general, I'm still very happy with what I made, but it's a delicate thing. It's a vulnerable thing because you will hear yourself sing certain things that you're like, ah, uh, you know, <laughs> like, ooh, that's a lot of ego, you know, or that's like, uh, and I, I don't mean like, to, like judging myself or, but like some things can be sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. Like, like whoa, did I really share that with all these people? You know, this song about this or that, because there's some, vulnerable personal things on those um, on those releases and as for both sides of the river on an artistic level as for the sound of it i'm happy with all of it actually uh, and yeah. i wouldn't say that i that i that i constantly would like to l- listen to it you know because at a certain time you ju- you've made it and then you just move on to other things but for example for example on that album both sides of the river the first track and the last track those two i can always listen to um it's not mm. just that i'm proud of them i just love them you know i, I made them uh 
but when I listen to them, like I would listen to someone else's music, I'm just really happy listening to it. And that's that's special. That that doesn't happen that often, you know. Like it's it's cool. The names of those two songs. So the first one is called Something, and that one is very much about um, uh, the intimate spiritual relationship with nature and and the magic it's about magic actually it's just the magic you can find walking around in nature just all around you and the last track is called in a little while and it's about in a way it's about death but yeah through that uh, about life Julian, how, with your connection to World War II and uh, what is going on in Ukraine, and with the, with the, because you're so much closer to it physically than yeah. we are and emotionally, how is, how is the, the, the tenor of the country and the tenor of Europe right now as you're, uh, as you're sitting there uh, at this time on the 1st of April, 2022? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I think that that's that's something that I also want to that I want to put out there about this um, is that what I'm sometimes a little bit uncomfortable with here now in in, in the media and and people around me that um, Ukraine being in this horrible situation is bringing up like a lot of uh, compassion and willingness and openness for people to help to receive them which is a beautiful thing but what i'm mindful of and what i'm a little bit uncomfortable with is that there's war everywhere all the time for 10 years now children have been dying in yemen and there was a war in syria there's all these places thank you and in the past i don't know 10 15 years we haven't done so great in opening our homes opening our borders and being there for those people why the color of their skin maybe two things ukrainians have a white complexion like we do second thing it's closer to home for us it feels like you know it's it's europe it's it's so close so it's the proximity and its race and even the refugees from ukraine that are not white they also have a harder time getting anywhere than the white ukrainians so that really makes me very sad so of course i want to i want to join into that compassionate uh, movement or whatever you call it of being there for them and 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 uh, this solidarity but I feel very uneasy with it at the same time. I'm so glad that you said that. That 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 was one of the one of the where Clay and I have been talking about that uh, specific issue. That that we were that it was a that because they're white, because they are Caucasian, we are there. The the world is opening in their hearts and the media. The media is paying so much more attention to it than when there was the when when it was happening in Yemen, when it was happening in Syria, and yeah. when it's happening and in is Africa. is happening in Yemen and is happening is in happening Syria. as it continues like, to yeah. do. Yeah, like in in our previous talk, 
uh, we did also speak a little bit about my about my work, which is I work a lot with newcomers, so people with a refugee background. And because of that, uh, I've also worked in asylum centers for 10 years. Because of that, um, I'm, yeah, I'm very much aware about the, the things people go through, you know, coming here or not even being able to come here. And of course, I have a lot of exposure as for uh, news articles and whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much connected uh, to, to the goings on. And of course, I realize that not everybody is, but the Syrian refugee crisis and all the other refugee crises were all over, uh, all over us, you know, so nobody can say that I, that I didn't know about it or something and now that or something like that. But now that this is happening in Ukraine, suddenly everybody's on, you know, the first one to to shout, you know, solidarity and exactly uh, on, on what we're doing. And so it really helps us if we can remember that we are all one race, mm. the human mm. race, mm. and we are all beings on this. And so we can we can work to remember that. And I, I constantly have to work through my own conscious and unconscious biases. That's what Clay and mm. I have been doing over this and in, in, in search of the new compassionate male, really mm. working through where are where within us mm. are those conscious and unconscious biases so that mm. we can act Mm. more more yeah. uh, open-heartedly and open-mindedly than we would have just to react yeah you can you can manage the unconscious bias that you're aware of you cannot manage the unconscious bias that you're not aware of no but you can uh, it's like it, i'm also laughing because uh with my i have a syrian colleague his name is faris faris al-kadi and together we give a training on unconscious bias. It's about unconscious bias, diversity, and inclusion. And today, uh, like so far, we've been—it's been mouth to mouth. Uh, you know, it's been going fine. But we, but we also—I mean, the new assignments. I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but uh, um, but uh, we also—we we are too lazy still to make a website. But we at least we want to have a nice like nicely designed PDF or something if people ask a little bit more information, you know, so, so we were working on that today. So we were really into the language of how to, you know, in a nice efficient way, convey what unconscious bias is and how to make people like excited about it, <laughs> to learn about it, to make, to become more aware about it. Oh, if you can help share that with us, is it in English? It is. Yeah. We would love, I would love to see that because I want to work on that because I can't know what I don't know, especially yeah. when I'm, when I'm in denial about that, or I have the, mm. oh, please, please share yeah. that. Please share that mm. with us, Julian. Sure. Oh, Clay, isn't this wonderful? It is. I, I go back to our first conversation and how taken I was with that and how much I enjoyed after the podcast, after the episode, doing the editing and weaving your music into it and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in this, this hour has been that and more. Mm. Thank oh, you. Wonderful. Thank you. Are, are you going to be doing like you've done with some of your other songs, doing video with, uh, with that uh, and 
And any way, any way that you can help us know how we can support you and support you in this in this uh, artistic effort, I want to be I want to be part of it. I want to be part of spreading the word about this album and the rest of that you're doing. Wonderful. Thank thank you thank you. And um, um, yeah, with with this new album, I because there's so many stories to tell and it's personal and dear to me. Uh, but in all those personal stories, there are little there are little trapdoors to the universal in in every song. Uh, oh yes. So um, so I would love to you know to put it out there and maybe yes, uh, maybe the podcast should be in English. Uh, let us be um, part of that. We would love to be able yeah. to help produce that and to be able to be able to watch <laughs> that. I know that I know I'm speaking for Clay, but we would love to be able to do that and also to be able to publicize it in every way we can. We're working on new ways to publicize and and to be part yeah. of your yeah. your part of your your journey. Uh, we're, we, yeah. we're in uh, certainly both of us are in and and yeah. want to be part of this happening. And you know what? Like when I spoke about that connection with my mother um, in a way maybe there's only maybe sometimes there's only so much that you can get to like emotionally together uh, if it's just the two of you uh, like I also believe in relationship therapy for example because if there's yeah. a third person present things are just perceived in a different way and other things start flowing so actually this idea of maybe doing an episode or uh, several, I don't know, you know, in, in another way that I then then that I was thinking of just the, the two of us, me and my mother could be really interesting to have like, oh, for example, you guys just asking questions. <laughs> the, uh, all right. Well, uh, you have given us so much, so much to, to have, to, to begin with. And thank you, Julian. <clears throat> when Clay thank told you. me that we were going to be having you on again, I was so excited. I was just, it was just, Thank you for staying up late, because mm -hmm. I know that it is it is it is late where you are, and and you'll be back in the ice water tomorrow morning. Yes, and, I will. Uh, and to be able to do that, and I and, and I'll continue to uh, continue to press here. Clay, any closing thoughts? Well, we we kind of covered it, but I gotta underscore it. Please come back. I have a closing question. To all yours, Julian. To you, Clay, because I, I find your I find your name to be so fascinating, and um, like we discussed uh, uh, the album, both sides of the river, a, a little bit uh, this time and last time also a little bit, mm. and and I remember that last time um, you also connected with that song, Father's Arms, you know about yes. um, yeah men coming alive in their fatherhood. And I just wonder, like, how much have you, how much attention have you spent to your name, Clay Boykin? Like, what, what do you see and hear in your name? Like, what, the obvious thing that I see, like, do you see it? What do you see in it? Yeah, okay. So there's something obvious for me there. Um, do you happen to know what Kintsugi is? Yes. I don't. Oh, so, gosh. Please. Kintsugi is is um, um, this Japanese technique, where with preferably gold <laughs> or something that resembles gold, where you mend 
broken pieces, for example, of a vase. A vase is broken and you put it together and you basically make it more beautiful because oh, you, like, I've you put seen it together. that, but I didn't cool. know its name. Yes, yeah, so that's Kintsugi. And um, when I when I read your book, Clay, uh, Circles of Men, I was sometimes looking at your name and uh, and I used the book also, like uh, there's the mandala behind you now in, in the end, at the end of the book, I was making a little mandala, et cetera. And if you look at your mandala, as I'm looking at it right now, you know, it's like all these connections you're making, right? It's like all these, just putting everything together. So for me, um, the way that you connected to my song, Father's Arms, and really also connecting with your own inner boy, right? The, the small clay. When I look at your first name, for me, it's like you are the clay between the little boy and his kin. <laughs> Thank you for that. What a gift. Mm. <laughs> oh, what a gift. Mm. Oh, I will. Thank you. You, you've, you've, you've lit me up as usual. <laughs> Julian, <clears throat> thank you for this time again and for the times to come. Clay, thank, thank you, you for inviting me along. And I want to thank everyone for listening, for giving this opportunity to have another conversation and another mm -hmm. uh, trip and exploration within each of us. And we will see you next time in search of the new compassionate male. Check out the latest episode of In Search of the New Compassionate Male on your favorite podcast station.